Hello, hello. My name is Kim Addis. I am the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and the co-founder of the Journal That Talks Back. Welcome to the Frame of Mind Coaching podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce my guest. His name is Zale Tabakman, and he's an original from Toronto, but he has departed and gone south. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because we like Canadians to stay in Canada. We're going to explore that. And he is the founder and president of a company called Local Grown Salads. So Zale, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about you. What is Local Grown Salads and why on earth would you move to Baltimore? Okay. All right. So Local Grown Salads is an indoor vertical farming company. So we manufacture vegetable. We manufacture the equipment that grows vegetables inside. We grow some 60 different types of vegetables. We break them up into herbs, greens, and small vegetables. Um, when I say small vegetables, peas, beans, those kinds of things, and herbs and greens are normal. And why did I move? Why does any man move to the United States? There was a woman involved, a very ah. lovely, perfect woman. And so she brought the rest me- is history. So she brought me to Baltimore, and then we started uh, doing work in Baltimore, trying to get our company launched in Baltimore. And it turned out that we also did a little bit of work in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And Uh it is unbelievably true. Anybody needs to start a business, Philadelphia is a place. People will reach out, they'll help with you, they'll work with you. They say, well, I can't do something. Let me introduce you to my friend who can. So that's how come we're in Philadelphia. So I end up actually commuting from Baltimore to Philadelphia. As a, oh, Canadian, wow. uh, as a Canadian, it sounds really cool. It's like very famous cities, but it's really like commuting from Hamilton to Toronto. Got it's it. a 45 minutes on a train. I understand. And so how long have you been running this company for? We've been, we actually started local grown salads in the December of 2013 was when we came up with the idea and okay. we've been developing the technology since that time. And so when you think about your client base, who's your client for this? So the products, uh, the ultimate product is obviously consumers because we're growing vegetables. But the way we go to market is we go directly to distributors and distributors then will sell to retailers and food service. And the other really interesting client are manufacturers. We have a company here that we're talking about. There is an upper state, New York, and they want 40,000 pounds of cucumbers every week. And guess what they do with those cucumbers? They mix it with dill and you get pickles. So it's a whole... Yeah, so essentially distributors who distribute the food service and retail and manufacturers uh, who make food that we you eat. So you help them make more food, make more pickles. Uh, we help them make more pickles. Well, right now pickles are interesting because currently they were they bring their their cucumbers from Texas, California, Arizona, which is you know 1,500 miles. And I can talk American language, but you know, a couple thousand kilometers. And now all of a sudden it'll be reduced to a few hundred miles or a few hundred kilometers. And so Amazing. the, from a sustainability point of view, a carbon footprint point of view, fresh point of view, that's like the, it's, it's day and night. That's why the industry is growing so fast. Very interesting. And how big is your company? How many people do you have working for you at this point? Well, um, we, we have about seven full-time kind of people. But we do a lot with interns and in universities. And last semester, we had some 200 students working for us uh, from a whole bunch of universities, all the way from Dalhousie 
to Vancouver. We had foreign students. We had a fellow that was from Bangladesh. We had a couple of American students. What are those students doing? What are they Uh, doing? Helping us build what we call our LTS ecosystem in our marketing system. Um, To be able to grow, we are planning on growing to 200 farms over the next 24 months. That's that's like Uber style growth. Each farm is about $2 million. So we're talking like a $400 million rollout in 24 months. So uh, we have to build a system to manage it. And that's what we call the ecosystem. And then we have market, students doing marketing for us and developing uh, social media plans, all sorts of interesting, okay. exciting stuff. So you have a thriving business and a thriving romance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So tell us, what is your greatest challenge today? My greatest challenge is spending money on senior people. Over the years, I've just every time I've tried to do it, I just hire badly. So it's really... The the challenge is, first of all, I'm scared because I've made so many mistakes over time. And the other part is I really don't have the right skills to do it. Even with all my gray hair and all kind of lots of experiences I have, I just, I don't have the skills or the confidence to do it properly. Okay. And is there somebody in mind specifically that you're looking to hire or you can't even find the right person? We we can't find the, I I could probably find the right person. I have 30,000 LinkedIn connections. Like I'm, I'm not a shy guy. Right. Um, we can, we could find the right people, but I'm just scared to, to actually do it and pull the trigger. Okay. And, and I, I, I got the picture. Okay. So there are a few thoughts that I have. Usually when we're scared about something, it's because maybe we had a bad experience, but typically it's because we're expecting a negative outcome. So, right. You're expecting a negative outcome. I've done this in the past. I blew a whole bunch of money, hired the wrong person, wasted time, wasted money, wasted resources. Were you you shadowing me? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. (laughs) I know your life. But, uh, and so that's what it is. So now when we're going to do it again, we're afraid we're anticipating the same kind of negative outcome and that anticipation, anticipation, negative anticipation kind of trips us up. And so the question is, how do we address that? And so typically what we want to do is say, what do we believe to be true? Our beliefs drive that emotional experience that create the anticipation of a negative outcome. And part of what you believe to be true is, well, I have to find a person and then hire them. And what if you don't? What if there could be a different game that you play where, you know, when you met your significant other, you didn't just right away decide to move to Baltimore, right? You kind of dated first. Five years. Five years. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, have a, I have a collection of ex-wives before her. Okay. So, but five <laughs> years. So the, it's actually very parallel, right? right? Same story, but you dated for a while. You tested it out different permutations of this relationship until you decided, yes, this one is worth moving to, moving for. And so in the same way, what I would recommend for you is don't think about hiring someone, think about dating someone. And what does that dating environment look like? What could it be like so that you could get to know each other first before making a more substantial offer? And one that you know will be a win-win. But Right. So you're saying, well, I got to find someone and hire them. And in a way, you're taking this massive leap into this big black hole because you don't know how the person's going to perform. And what if that's not the case? What if you don't have to hire someone full time permanently? What if you could say, hey, you know, I'm looking for someone on a contract basis. I'm looking for dating. Right. I'm looking to date. 
And so here's the scope of the project. Let's see how we work together. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how you perform. Let's see how you communicate with me and how we communicate with each other. Let's see how the organization responds to you and on and on and on. And slowly you grow your intimacy, you grow your scope of work together. But my strongest recommendation is don't hire someone. Right. So, so can I, I want to ask you, so I love, love the analogy. Everything's great, but I, I want to push back a little bit on that. Please. It, uh, a lot of the kinds of senior people that we're looking for don't want to get engaged in that kind of way. Like if you go to a guy who's a, a senior VP of marketing or senior VP of operations, we're talking, you know, people making $200,000 a year. Um, they don't want to date. Well, you know, I, they, I, I would push back on your okay. pushback. And I'll okay. tell you why. Because to leave their nice $200,000 a year job to go work for Zale, who is also an unknown, is also a bit of a jump into a big black hole. And so what we're doing is we're creating steps along the marriage path. And, and if you can create a win-win scenario where you get to feel more comfortable with the candidate and they get to feel more comfortable with you, then what happens is when they decide to make it a full-time thing, it becomes a far smaller risk for, for everybody involved. And so my, my pushback is this, you haven't found the right formula to create that win-win entry point yet. I got it. Yeah, no, it's making sense. So I'm, I'm just like, think I'm a very practical person. So I'm trying to think through how I would do it. Uh, I think I mentioned, uh, you know, before that, you know, I have a very large LinkedIn network. It's like 30,000 yeah. connections. So realistically, we're looking for somebody that wants to jump in and get involved in a, in a startup. You know, we're, I may have been at this for seven, eight years, but it's, we're still at the startup stage. Uh, we can say to them, you know, we're looking for a senior executive that wants to commit, you know, 10 hours a week, who's 10, 15 hours a week. They're not going to, you know, and you, the idea is that eventually you'll be part of this journey. We call it a journey Our, you know, and our, our quest is 200 farms in, in the next 24 months. Yeah. So we can reach out, to, reach out that way. And we're going to get the kind of people that want to be part of that kind of journey and that kind of quest. For sure. But also what you're doing is you're saying, Hey, like, you know, right now we don't want you to jeopardize your family, your home, your, your life. We want to make it safe for you to come and learn about us and be part of us and grow with us. And so while here's the long-term vision or the plan, here's the scope of the current project, which is totally manageable, handleable. They can wrap their arms around it. They can envision delivering all of that stuff. So sometimes this long-term vision stuff is scary. It's nice to know that it's available, but I would really focus on here's the scope of today's project. Right. We, we need, we actually do need somebody that can, I, I don't want to, I, to be honest with you, I need somebody who can say, I want to be on an Airbnb, you know, trajectory. I want to be on an Uber trajectory, a WeWork, a McDonald's, the 1950s trajectory. We right. don't want people who are afraid of that. We want somebody who says, oh, I can, I can live it. I want to grow it. I want to be part of that. Yes. And, and, and yet at the same time, I think it's very important to test out performance by giving a specific project and just to see how, how do they handle it? Do they show up on time? You know, even just the basics, do they understand right. my language? That's, that's true. And, and, and 
I, I think your your earliest comment of being afraid is it actually triggered a different thought in my mind. The way I interpret it is I just need to be very the, the standard of what I want is extremely high and very unique. So maybe I'm just afraid of putting in the I'm not afraid of the person. I'm just afraid of like all of the ugly ducklings I have to date before I find the perfect woman. Well, here's um, here's the other the other piece of it. And I think this is important when you don't trust yourself to make the right decision. I would create a series of, let's call them um, hurdles to overcome, right? And so what do I mean by that is perhaps the first hurdle is here, let's do a project together. But then the next hurdle, or even the one before that is, I'm going to ask other people to interview you, not just me. Let them give you a green light. And so that I'm at the very end of the road where all these other checks and balances are taking place. So that they are kicked out sooner rather than later before they even get to me, if that makes any sense. So involve your key decision makers in the process. Involve your board of directors. Involve the people that you trust, your investors, whoever they are, to help bring the right people to the table and screen before they even get to you. Good idea. I, we don't have, I don't have that much of an infrastructure that I can help screen, but I have who I can reach out to. That's great. Are you busy, you know, next week to help screen? Well, the truth is, you know what, we coach executives and it is not, it is not unusual for a business owner to say, Kim, can you please have a conversation with this person and see if like I'm on the right track, if they're the right fit for me. And I remember one in particular, um, a very, very close, now he's a very close friend of mine and a longtime client. And he hired someone. And before he hired them, he said, Kim, you know, can you double check? And I went back, I said, this is a bad idea, bad fit. But he hired them. And right. uh, he regretted it to this day. Why didn't I listen to Kim? Yeah, no, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, because... You need someone to also ask the right questions, right? In terms of fit. So it's it's a great idea for you to partner with someone who can help you through that in advance. And it could be a coach, but it could be a you know a recruiting expert or or anybody else. So, so one of the things that you bring to the table is you're not emotionally attached to the decision, right? Like the problem is I get emotionally attached to the to the decision. Um, I interview the person and then all of a sudden it's my reputation on the line. And if I would pull the plug, well, this guy's going to, we see that it's subtle and it's in the back of your head all the time, but in back of my head, sometimes what's going to happen that way. But if you go in as a third person, you know, and you don't even have to tell the guy he's not being hired. You just tell me. Exactly. But also um, I think what happens when we're so eager to make something work, we ignore the red flags. Right. I, oh yeah, right. I had two marriages that didn't quite work out <laughs> because of that. Yeah, because of that, yeah, I exactly. Mean, you know, they, they were great women, but they just weren't great for me. Right? It wasn't about exactly, exactly, right. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just a really great idea to have a trusted advisor to have a second set of eyes or a second set of conversations to double right. check that you know, everything's aligned, that this person wants what you want, that you're all heading in the right direction, that they're being honest, open and clear about what it is that they want. And that this is like, there's nothing off the table, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 
This makes a lot of sense. It, yeah. it, it fit, it, it's solving the problem. I'm, I'm now getting more insight into what the problem was and how to go forward. Yeah. Thank, but thank I you. hope those ideas were valuable for you. I'm excited by your work. Um, my you. daughter is studying uh, plant sciences. Oh, wow. So she's doing her master's degree. So she's very much into uh, the work you are doing. And uh, actually, the she's conversation of the day is, what do I do after my master's degree, mom? Um, she's, Tell been us, call me. she's been invited to do her PhD. And she's like, you know, what do I do with that? I want to, I want a real job. So just trying to figure well, it out. It's interesting. Maybe I, I can tell her there's a lot. It The future is indoor vertical farming. And there aren't a lot of people that have figured this out. And when she says she's doing plant sciences, what, like what kind of plant science things are she doing? Because there's a wide range. So now you've I've stepped into uh, the, the <laughs> minefield where I don't know what I'm talking about. She's studying one particular plant and it's genetic makeup. So I don't know. I don't okay. Know. But it, uh, yeah. There's lots of possibilities. If you have her reach out to me, I can tell her what we're doing. I can tell her about her industry and she can see if there's a place for her in our industry. And I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. Sale, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. For those of you who are listening, I hope you got some good ideas about how to hire and maybe how to get an extra set of eyes or ears on your potential candidates before you do the hiring. Uh, if you have a challenge that you want to share on the podcast, please reach out to me. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. If you have a challenge that you want to share, but maybe not so much on the podcast, please reach out to me anyway. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And if you know a young professional, someone in your world, in your work, in your life, that could benefit from some executive coaching, we just launched a new service. It's called the Journal That Talks Back. Please check it out. It's incredible. And it comes from all the work we've done over the past 17 years with Frame of Mind Coaching. Please take a look. It's www.thejournalthattalksback.com. Zale, thank you. Everyone have a great day and we will see you next week.